Good morning, Winter Park. It is 11 a.m. on a Thursday, and now's the time to talk about true crime. If you're sensitive to dark topics, this is your trigger warning. Now's a good time to change the channel if you want. But if you're here to stay, I invite you to a good old cup of joe. I'm M. And I'm M. And this is Death Before Decaf. Now, what kind of coffee did we have this morning? I had a pumpkin cream cold brew, which was great. I get it stirred, so like pro tip, makes it better. Well, I'm not a huge pumpkin fan, but I did try um, an iced apple crisp macchiato for the first time. Um, I'm not, I don't usually stir. I usually just go right from bitter to sweet, but I wasn't actually a huge fan of it. Um, I stir everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually like going from bitter to sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that with like caramel macchiato. I wasn't a huge fan of the apple crisp, but it was it was worth a try. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm probably going to keep trying new things for the show. Yes, we need to. Yeah. Kay. So I think, um, Morgan, I do think your case is going to be a lot longer today. So we're going to have you probably? go first. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about the Zodiac Killer. Yay. Wait. Do we have a sound effect? <gasps> sound effect like, coming. Please hold. Okay, Okay. the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Let's get into it. Okay. So, I guess trigger warning, like, obviously, Zodiac Killer. Like, hello. Like, there isn't, like, any, like, rape or anything, like, bad like that. Last time was dark. Yeah, last time was dark. It's not that dark. Um, He just, like, stabbed people. So, like... That's obviously still bad, but not as bad as last time. So, yeah. Let's, <laughs> Let's begin. <laughs> on December 20th, 1968, two high school students went on their first date together. The two teenagers were Betty Lou Jensen, who was 16, and David Faraday, who was 17. They uh, promised Betty's parents that they would be home by 11, and then they like, left. You know, they went on their mm-hmm. date. They went to a concert at Betty's school. They went to separate high schools. And after the concert, they drove to, like, Lover's Lane. Ooh. Um, and it was on Lake Herman Road. This is all in California. I was bad and didn't put what city, but it's, like, Northern California. Mm-hmm. So shortly after 11, there were, like, drivers passing, like, the road. And they saw, like, David's car there. He had a very, like, specific car. It was a two-tone Rambler. So they, like, saw his car, and everything was fine. And then, shortly after that, another driver saw two lifeless bodies on the side of the road by his car. Ooh. Ooh. Literally. (laughs) So the police arrived, and they found Betty, and she was had five gunshot wounds to her back, and she was dead. And then David was, like, almost dead. He had a gunshot wound to his head. Like, he wasn't dead, but he was getting there. Um... The car had bullet holes in the roof and in, like, the windows. So the police, like, thought that, like, the killer, like, fired warning shots so that they would, like, leave the car. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, like, followed a few leads, you know. Like, there was, like, a jealous ex-boyfriend. And there was, like, a few, like, creeps at the gas station. But, like, the boyfriend had an alibi and, like, the creeps... 
they had a different kind of gun, mm-hmm. and so they just like ruled them out so immediately. Your boyfriend survived. I don't. Yes, okay. I think he did. I'm not really sure. I didn't really see that, but I'm pretty sure he did. So, excuse me if I'm incorrect. That's okay. But, <laughs> um, so, you know, everyone had alibis, so they're like, we don't know who did this. So, on July 4th, 1969, 22-year-old Darlene Farron picked up her friend, mm-hmm. who was 19-year-old Michael Majow. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And then they stopped at a parking lot in Blue Strings, Blue Park, Blue Rock Springs Park. That's a mouthful. And you know they just like wanted to like sit in their car and talk, mm-hmm. just like a friendly conversation. Um, Darlene was like a wife, a mother. She was a waitress. This happened in um, Vallejo, California. So she was a waitress at a restaurant. She was just like loved by like the customers. You know, she was just like well known there. And then another car pulled into the lot around midnight, and then it just, like, left. It, like, pulled in, left, and then it came back a few minutes later. And the driver, like, of the other car got out and, like, shined a bright light into their car, like a flashlight, and they were like, oh, it's a cop. So they got all their stuff ready, and then he just, like, shot into the car. It's like, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and they were like, what? Um Michael was shot in the jaw, the shoulder, and the leg, but he survived. Oh, wow. And then Darlene was shot five times, but she, like, didn't make it. Um, 45 minutes later, a call came into the Vallejo Police Department, and the call was a man, and he said that he wanted to report a murder, and he told them the location, the gun that was used, and then he confessed to the murders that happened at Lake Herman. Like, the murders, that ha- like, the last murders. Mm-hmm. And then on July 31st, 1969, the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Examiner, and the San Francisco Chronicle all received, like, basically the same letter. And the writer claimed responsibility for the two shootings, and he, like, provided information that was unknown to the public, like, the gun that was used and, like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... The letter also contained a cipher. It contained one-third of a cipher, and the writer said that if the ciphers aren't published alongside the letters, then he would kill again. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) So this cipher was solved in, like, 24 hours. So not one of his best ciphers. Yeah. Um, If you care. (laughs) <laughs> literally <laughs> no one cared they were like what so like this f- each cipher is named by how many characters it had so this one was called z408 because it had 408 like characters in the cipher mm-hmm. it was solved in a week you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and it said like i like killing because it is so much fun and, like, it was solved by this, like, teacher. And she was like, yeah, I knew he would be, like, self-centered. So I assumed that it would start with I. And oh my God. I assumed that it would, like, contain the word killing. And I like killing. And she was, like, obviously right. And so she solved it, like, 24 hours. Which, like, applause to her. Like, we love you, queen. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and then on August 4th, 1969, the 
San Francisco Examiner received a three-page letter in response to the police, and, like, the police sent a letter and was like, we need you to prove that you are the murderer, obviously. And then, like, in this response is where he first called himself the Zodiac. Yeah. (laughs) And then on September 27th, 1969, this is all, so, you know, like, July, August, September. It's, like, you know, every month, every couple weeks. Yeah. So, on September 27th, college students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were relaxing on a blanket in a remote location by Lake Berryessa. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's always by, like, a lake yes. or, like, a make-out point or They're something. literally just, like, chilling. Yeah. They aren't doing anything, you know? And then Cecilia noticed a man, like, approaching them, and he was wearing this, like, hooded costume. Like, I'm sure if you've seen pictures of, like, the Zodiac costume, then you know what I'm talking about. But it's just, like, a black hooded cloak. Like, you know. <laughs> and he was holding a gun. So the man came up to them, and he told them that he had escaped from prison, and he needed money and a car to escape to Mexico. Which, like... Why would... Literally. Why? That's suspicious. Literally. Like, if you escape from prison, why would you just, like, go up to a random couple and be, like... I need money. Like, I'm escaping from, Me- I'm escaping to Mexico. Yeah, like, that, mm, that's, like, a red flag. Yeah. And so, Brian was, like, here are my keys and my wallet. Just, like, get away from us. But, like, the man didn't take them. And then, instead, he bound them with pre-cut plastic clothesline and oh. began stabbing them. Fun. Yeah. Um, he stabbed Brian six times in the back and Cecilia ten times. The man then drew a circle with a cross in the middle of it. His, like, That's like his, his, yeah, his symbol. Insignia. Yeah. And it, he drew it in the middle of the, like, door of their car. And it had the dates and locations of the previous attacks on it, too. So it's, like, the circle and then, like, the dates and locations under it. And so Brian survived, but Cecilia died two days later in the hospital. I um, ha- I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not intentional. I feel like the boyfriend could survive. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's just, like, I almost said a bad word. I, like, (laughs) need to, like, stop. But he was, like, dang. Yeah. Like, I need to do better, you know? So the attacker left footprints that were size 10 and a half wing walkers, which were, like, a military boot. And at 7.40, this happened... It doesn't say what time this happened, but it was, like, pretty soon after... He called the police department, and he was like, I want to report a double murder. Mm. And he described Brian's car and the location, and then he, like, confessed. He's like, I did it. Like, where are you going to report a murder and then say you did it, you know? Yeah. So on October 11th, which was, like, basically, like, a couple weeks later, a cab driver named Paul Stein picked up a rider, and he was like, I'm headed to this, like, upscale neighborhood. So, about a block away from, like, the destination, the passenger shot Paul in the head, stole his wallet and keys, and then carefully tore off a portion of his, like, bloody shirt. Mm. So, bloody fingerprints were recovered from the vehicle, and then there's also, like, a pair of gloves found, like, men's gloves. But, like, nothing really ever came from that. Um, Three witnesses said that they watched the suspect, like, wipe down the cab after the murder with, like, a rag or something. And but so, like, the suspect wasn't identified by, like, a face? Or, oh, is that where the sketch comes in? 
No. Okay. So, wait. I think yes, actually, but we will see. So, they called the police, and they were, like, a white man, like, 20 to 30, like, 5'11", you know, whatever. The police radio broadcast mistakenly reported they said it was a black man. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the police saw this white man that matched the description, but they didn't catch him because the report said it was a black man. Yeah. Um, they did get a good look at him, though. Like, I am very uncomfortable with the energy that we've created in the studio. I'm sorry. I'm uh-huh. abusing the soundboard right no, now. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, they got a good look at him, but they, like, were like, this can't be him because our suspect is black, even though, like, literally just like racism you know yeah so on october 13th two days later the san francisco chronicle received a letter where like the writer mocked the police for failing to catch him and then threatened to shoot children on a school bus and whenever i say like the writer the suspect i'm obviously referring to the zodiac killer yeah so um the envelope also contained a piece of paul stein's shirt so yeah i feel honestly like I mean, like, killers are bad. Like, this is bad. Yeah, but like, it's like I just, fu- I just think it's hilarious how just like he loved to just mess with. Yeah, he like literally messed with them. He was like, "I like killing. Killing is fun." Here's but, like, this shirt, and the police were like, "What's even worse <laughs> is that like he was hiding in plain sight. Like, yes. it's so obvious." Yes, I will get to that at the end of the story. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, so that was on October thirteenth. On November eighth. The Chronicle received another letter, and it was, like, a weird greeting card, like, about fishing. It was just, like, like a comedic greeting card. Mm-hmm. And it had another piece of his shirt in it, and it also contained a cipher. This cipher was the Z340 cipher. It was only solved, like, really recently. It took 51 years for it to be solved, and wow. it was solved by this, like, amateur team of, like, code breakers. Um yeah, it didn't really say anything, like, uh, important, so I didn't really, like, write it down. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, another, like, I like killing. I'm killing more people. And he, in all of his letters, he talked about, like, paradise, but he always spelled paradise wrong. Like, instead of Oh, my God, yeah, P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E, I remember P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E, you put a C-E, and it yeah. was always spelled wrong. And so, like, I think that, like, messed up their ciphers a little bit, but... Um, Did he do that to mess with him, or just because he was a bad speller? I think he was a bad speller, because in, like, the rest of his letters, he was just, like, kind of illiterate. Yeah, I feel like he... A- that was, like, accidentally an advantage. Yeah. And, like, he believed that the people that he killed were going to be his slaves in the afterlife. Okay. So he would talk about, like, all of my slaves and blah, 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 which is, like... Are you okay? Like, obviously not, but, like, that's, like, an, another level of, like, insanity, yeah. you know? And then on November 9th, the Chronicle received, uh, wait, yeah, a seven-page letter, and it claimed that the police stopped him near a crime scene, but then let him go, and this is the, like, Paul Stein mm-hmm. crime, the cab driver, and then he claimed that he's killed seven people, and that letter also included a recipe for a bomb which is like you know just oh. a casual bomb recipe and that he said that he was going to use it on a school bus mm-hmm. and it was just like if you were going to use the bomb 
you should put it on a school bus, you know, something like that. It was literally so stupid. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, he's just, like, literally stupid. <laughs> Which is, like, he literally I mean, like, got away with murder for so long, but, like, he's so stupid. I know. You know? On December 10th, so, like, another month later, um, a famous attorney named Melvin Belli received, like, B-E-L-L-I, received a letter, and the Zodiac was asking for help. He was like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose control. I'm afraid I'm going to kill again. So, like, hmm, you know? Hmm. So, in... This is, like, an alleged Zodiac, but, like, they're almost probably the same. So, in late March, 22-year-old Kathleen Johns, like, loaded up her infant daughter, and they got into their station wagon, and she was, they were going to visit um, Kathleen's sick mother in Petaluma. Um, Kathleen was also seven months pregnant, so she had, an, like, an infant, and she was seven months pregnant. God, that's, that's going to take but a turn like, for the worst. Like, lower than a toddler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So she was driving on Highway 132, and another vehicle, like, pulled up next to them and, like, signaled to her that she needed to pull over. And so, like, she did, and the man, like, got out and was like, you, like, the wheel in the back of your station wagon, it's loose, and, like, I can fix it for you. Like, that's suspicious. Stranger danger. Yes. That's suspicious. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. is. And so... He was like, okay, I'll fix it. And then so he went back there, quote-unquote, fixed it. In reality, he loosened the lug nuts. And so when she tried to drive away, her wheel fell off. No. And so the man was like, oh, I can drive you to the gas station, you know, like call someone or something. So she got into the car and, like, realized that he was, like, literally a psychopath. And so she grabbed her daughter and they, like, jumped from the car. And, like, a passing driver drove her to the police station and okay, she good. I was like I was so worried yes. for like the kid yeah and so like when they were like oh the guy from the Paul Stein murder like they saw his face so they drew a police sketch and is this that, like the iconic police sketch is the one that everybody thought was Ted Cruz yes yes it is and so she like at the police station that she saw the sketch and she was like that's the man that like tried to kidnap me and kill me <laughs> Um, and then, so that was in late March and on, of 1970. In April 20th of 1970, the Chronicle received a letter that was, my name is blank, and then it included a 13-symbol cipher, and then it had another diagram of a bomb. Mm. So this cipher is Z13, and it has never been solved. Because there are only, like, 13 letters, so there are so many combinations of what it could be, you know? There just, like, isn't enough information for it to be solved. Oh, wait, is that, uh, is that gonna, should we, should we pay attention to that? Because no. of it's, like, not important. Really? People because what about the guy's name? It, like, I don't think it works, because, so, there's a theory that, I don't even remember his name, because I didn't write it down, but there was this cartoon that was, like, on the front page of this, like, magazine, and it was just like, I think I feel like you've seen it. It's just like a weird kid from like a cartoon from like the sixties. He, he has a weird name, but anyway, like the symbols like kind of match that, and they're just like a bunch of names that it could be. Um, the symbol, the cipher is Z thirteen. If you want to look it up. Um, okay, Gary Francis Post is.
Okay, Gary Francis Post is 16 letters. Yeah. Are there any, like, repeating letters? There's S. And R. <gasps> okay, so the oh name God. is Alfred E. Newman, which was... That inspired the um, mad mascot. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that, like, the, the guy... I think I know what you're talking Alfred, about. Alfred, his, like, the guy with, like, the big smile and the freckles, yeah. like, on the mad magazine. His name was Alfred yeah. E. Newman. Yeah, that's this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So people are, like... He just, like, made it up just to mess with people, and it's Alfred E. Newman, um, you know. So it's just, like, he's either, like, messing with people or it just, like, doesn't make sense if it is the person that they think it is, like, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's never been, like, officially solved just because there isn't enough characters, whatever. And then on April 28th, like, a week later... Um, the Chronicle received a greeting card, and in it, he, like, insisted that they publish the details of the bus bomb, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he's literally insane. He was like, I want people to wear buns with my symbol on it, and I want them to be, I don't want them to be the mean buns that people don't like people. I want them to be the nice buns. <laughs> I want them to be nice buns to me. And it's like, are you, hello? Clap if you care. Like, literally. Wait, I just, can I just say? Mm-hmm. Gary Francis Post, right? Mm-hmm. That's 16 letters. The Zodiac is C13. Mm-hmm. There are three letters in that name that appear twice. That being A, R, and S. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, maybe. And so that would mean that there would be 13 letters used in there in total. It's like 13. It's not like the amount of like individual characters. It's like the character. You know, so, like, even if it's repeating, there are still, like, 13 characters in total. Exactly. Oh, there's still th- there's 13 characters in total? Yeah, like, including repeating ones. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, so, like, it doesn't... I thought, I thought I was being, like, super smart for a minute. <laughs> Honestly, I thought so, too, and then I was like, wait. But, um... Yeah, he was like, I want people to wear nice Zodiac buttons with my symbol on it, and I want them to be nice to me. Eh. But, um, you're literally killing people and everyone's afraid of you, so, like, why would they wear nice buttons? Yeah. And they, like... You know, he, like, wanted his symbol on it. And then on June 26th, so, like, two months later, he was like, I'm mad that people aren't wearing my buttons. He was like, I'm going to punish them. And then he, like, included a map of the San Francisco Bay Area, and then he included a code, like, another, like, cipher thing, for them to locate a bomb that he had placed, which, like, spoiler alert, there was no bomb. But, um, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, like, looking through things. Okay. So, he was, like, angry that people weren't wearing his buttons and that he was going to punish them. And so he included a map of the San Francisco Bay Area and then, like, a code for them to locate the bomb. And, like, spoiler alert, there's no bomb. Mm. On July 24th, so like a month later, he was still angry that people weren't wearing his buttons. Like, wh- what, what is he expecting? Literally. 
like people to wear buttons of someone that's like a murderer, like a serial killer. Like, nah, I don't know. And so he was like, I'm angry, so now I have a kill list. And so this is where that it gets reminds me of uh, That reminds me of a kid uh, in middle school. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And so the first person on the list was a woman and her baby that he had a rather interesting ride with. Oh. So that's why, you know, there was no, like, evidence of that killer, like, of that thing that um, – like, basically kidnapping that led to them to believe that it was a Zodiac. But, like, this is, like, a, like it's the Zodiac, you know? Yeah. So, on <laughs> July 26, two days later, he was even more angry that people weren't wearing his buttons. And he said that he would torture all 13 of his slaves. So, like, all 13 of the people that he's killed mm-hmm. in, in the afterlife, they become his slaves. Just, like, literally, like, the ranting of a madman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he then quoted this, like, weird musical, and I don't even understand it. Like, I read it, and I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. Oh, my God, he was a theater kid. He really was a theater kid. <laughs> um, and he explained that the code in his last letter explained, like, geometric angles and radians. Like, the last, like, cipher was the one where he, like, had the bomb. Um that one has still never been solved. There are people that, like, think they've solved it, but, like, nothing's confirmed and none of them really make sense. Mm-hmm. So on October 27th, 1970, so the last thing that happened was in July. This is in October. Um, a Halloween postcard was sent to the reporter Paul Avery. Um, it was just, like, he, like, spelled his name wrong. He spelled Averly. It <laughs> just, like, didn't really make any sense. It was, like, handmade, though, so that's cool, I guess. He was an art kid. He really was a theater kid. Yeah. Then on March 13th, 1971, so like six months later, um, the LA Times received a letter, and it took responsibility for a Riverside City College murder in 1966. So like before this, they like never solved this murder. Um, So here's the story of that. So on October 30th, 1966, 18-year-old chair... Sherry, I think it's Sherry, because it's C-H-E-R-I. Sherry Bates, who was a a student at Riverside State College, she left her note saying to her dad that she was going to go to the library. And then the next morning, like, she didn't come home, and her car was found abandoned at the library, and her body was found between, like, two nearby houses, and she had been stabbed several times. Um, The local newspaper and the police department, like, they received typed letters from someone who claimed to be the killer, and they were signed with a symbol that looked like the letter Z. And so, you know, they didn't really have anything. Like, it was never confirmed that he did this, but, like, everyone's pretty sure that he did because he, like, confessed to it and, like, the Z and everything. But there wasn't, like, any, like, evidence left at the scene, like, tying him to it. And also, like, he hadn't used the name the Zodiac yet. And there was no handwriting analysis because he typed the letters in mm-hmm. 66 and, like, handwrote everything else, you know? So on March 22nd, so, like, a week later, um, Paul Avery receives another postcard. This time it's of Lake Tahoe, and they believe that it's a, disappear- a reference to the disappearance of Donna Lass. Um, so in 
1970, so like six months earlier, um, in September of 1970, um, 25-year-old Donna Lass lived in South Lake Tahoe, and she was working as a nurse, Mm -hmm. and um, on September 6, 1970, Donna vanished, and like the last entry in her work logbook was at 1.50 in the morning, and then a little after that, like, her car was found abandoned near her apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to, like, accounts, an unidentified man called Donna's, like, employer and landlord, and they were like, she needs to leave town for a family emergency, you know, like, making it so that she has, oh. like, an alibi, you know, like, she's yeah. just, like, at home. She's not actually missing. Um, but, like, her family told the police that there was no family emergency. Family emergency is that she's gone. Literally. <laughs> um, like, the man was never identified. Her body was never found. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, like, they think that it's him. You know, there's n- really no evidence for it, except for that he, like, confessed, like, sent a postcard of, like, Tahoe. Um, so, January 29th of 1974, so, like, three years later, he sent a letter, and he said that he saw The Exorcist and believed that it was the best satirical comedy he had ever seen. Oh, my God. And then in a quote from the same musical that he quoted before, he alluded to a suicide. So I don't know what he's trying to say, just, like, that he's a theater kid, but um, yeah, I honestly, like, don't know. Like, that letter was so confusing to me. You can look up all these letters and, like, read them for yourself, but yeah. they are honestly, like, make no sense. Like, just a warning. And then on May 8th, 1974, so, like, a couple months later, a quote-unquote citizen (laughs) complained about ads for the movie Badlands, which he called a glorification of violence. He was like, oh, my God. This person is killing all these people, and you're advertising a movie about violence? Oh, no. (laughs) It was so stupid. And, like, the handwriting, like, matches his. Like, I don't know if it, like, actually matches, like, scientifically, but, like, it looks like his handwriting. Yeah, I, uh, one thing I loved about taking my friends to class senior year is that, like, we studied handwriting mm-hmm. and how to lose to someone's personality. I love it. And how, like, even the tiniest details, like, you can tell when someone is faking handwriting. Mm-hmm. So, on July 8th, so, like, two months later, uh, a letter complaining about the columnist Marco Spinelli like, it was just like, I hate this guy. And he called them, he said that he had a serious psychological disorder and that he should be sent back to the hellhole from whence it came. Sounds <laughs> sounds sounds like someone familiar. Yeah. Um, I wonder who this could be. Um, it was signed the Red Phantom, and then in parentheses, Red with Rage. And he was like, if, because um, the columnist used, like, a nickname, and he was like, if Marco can use a nickname, then so can I. I'm that the Red Phantom. Yeah, no, that didn't stick. Yeah, it really didn't. <laughs> Like, I'm just, like, he's literally so, like, absurd. I know. <laughs> so, that's, like, the last letter that he ever sent. Like, confirmed kind of letter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here's to the recent stuff. Ooh, exciting. In December of 2020, the second Zodiac cipher was solved by amateur code breakers. Um... You know, it was the one that took 51 years to solve. Yeah. So that was, like, the first kind of, like, recent thing that happened. But on October 7th, like, literally, like, a week ago. Oh, my God. The Case Breakers, which is a group of 
40 former, like, law enforcement officers. They're, like, police officers, FBI agents. Um, they said that they identified who they believed to be the Zodiac Killer with um, new forensic evidence and physical evidence and also, like, um, an affidavit and a, like, a new witness testimony. Mm-hmm. So he was identified as Gary Francis Post. <laughs> and he, Gary Francis Post, died in 2018. Um, I tried to look up his birthday. Didn't really find any, like, thing, like, actually confirmed. But I think his birthday is November 8th, so that makes him a Scorpio. Um, is there a boo sound effects? I don't even know. Is there? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I put one in there, but I'm not I really sure. I don't see it. Um, but... So, the team's, like, former FBI agents that were on the team, they described it as irrefutable evidence towards Post being the framed killer, or the famed killer. So, like, the people that did it are, like, almost positive that it's him. Mm -hmm. But um, the FBI, like, will not confirm it, and they won't share, like, any new information. The case is still open. They were, like, out of respect for the families, we aren't going to say anything, which is, like, hmm. I feel like respecting the family, you'd be like, yes, this is him, or no, it isn't him, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But um, they found pictures of Post where scars on his forehead match uh, the scars yeah. on the forehead of the police sketch, which is, like, mind-blowing. Like, um, <laughs> And in one of his notes that he sent to the newspaper, if you remove all the letters from his name, it, like, reveals another message. Like, I couldn't find what that message said. I think they're keeping it, like, confidential. Mm. But, like... That's, like, like, that's cool, though. Yeah. So, like, there was no way to solve that before until they, like, knew his name, you know? So it was just kind of, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this Gary Francis Post guy was in the Air Force, I think. He was in the military. I'm pretty sure it's the Air Force. So, mm-hmm. you know, the boots that were found at the crime scene. Oh, my God. They were military boots, and they, like, matched his boots, you know? <laughs> and so people that knew him said that, like, yeah, this makes sense. Um, So, like, he was abusive to his wife, and his neighbor was like, yeah, he doesn't have a conscience. Like, he would just, like, kill someone without any second thought. Um, His former daughter-in-law says that she believes it without a doubt and that seeing the police sketch was like a bell ringer. Like, she was like, yeah, that's him. Um, His friend posts, like, has posts on Facebook. I tried to find them, but he deleted them. But, like, they are there. Um, (laughs) He has a post of, like, a picture of him and Gary, and it's like, my last visit with old man, Gary Post. Zodiac? God dang, I miss you, old friend. Oh, my God. It's like, he was literally just out there. Did you see um, those, like, screenshots of him, like, commenting on YouTube videos? We should probably, you think we should put that on our Instagram page? Maybe. (laughs) And then his friend commented on a poll of who was most likely to be the Zodiac Killer, and he was like, I know him, it's Gary. You know, my good pal Gary, he's the Zodiac. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? Um, I don't know to this, like, isn't confirmed, but um, there are screenshots of Metacritic reviews for Lady Gaga's album, Joanne. Like, Stan? You can go. No, no, no. Okay. Just say it first. <laughs> um, and um, it says, a national treasure, just like myself. <laughs> Literally. 
He was like, yeah. But, um, yeah, those, like, aren't confirmed. Like, I didn't see them in any, like, actual news sources. It's on, like, TMZ or something. But, um, yeah, that's the update to the case, and that's the finished story. I think that's just, like, such an anticlimactic. It really is. <laughs> he was just right. He was. It's like, this man was literally, like, posting on Facebook, like, I am the Zodiac Killer, LOL. And then it's just like, uh, what? <laughs> His friend's like, I love my friend the Zodiac. Oh, my God. It's really? so crazy. I know, it's yeah. so bad, but it makes me laugh so much. Yeah, I, like, went onto his page. Um, I, f- I didn't write his name down, but you can find it online really easily. Like, mm-hmm. I went to his Facebook page, and he deleted everything. Oh, my God. Like, his Facebook page is empty now, because I guess people were, like, finding him, like, doing sexual behavior. But, um... Story. Oh that's the Zodiac my Killer. God. I feel like I like really didn't do it justice, but like I just wanted to kind of make it shorter, like not put all the details of like the actual like murders in so that I could talk about him being quote unquote caught. Yeah. No, that was really good. That was really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. How much time left do we have? Um, we are at 37 minutes. 37? But also we have that big break where we just like were silent for a couple minutes. So we have like 30 um, minutes left. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like I feel like after like doing the Zodiac Killer, like can the case I'm doing right now like amount to definitely what we just talked about? Yeah, do it. Okay. You know what? Okay. Well, as Halloween inches closer, so do movie marathons of iconic slasher movies. Think of one right now. I know which one you're about to talk about. I know. I'm ta- I'm um, talking to the audience. If you thought of Scream, then my case today is the very one that inspired the movie Scream. And it took place in the state of Florida, in the little town of Gainesville. Ooh. Another one eerily close to where we live. Florida is a hot spot for creepy old men. Yeah. That's that's common knowledge. But this serial just killer. Just like old men, just creepy just people like in general. Creepy, yeah, but you know. This is an even creepier old man by the name of Daniel Harold Rowling. Danny was born in Shreveport, Louisiana in the year 1954 and had a rough upbringing with a disgustingly abusive father. He tortured Danny and his mother in ways that should have earned Rowling a one-way ticket to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, it's bad. Uh, like, this is, a, this is a, a trigger warning for, like, abuse. Um... Danny's father, who is also uh, a police officer, um, used his status to have the police arrest Danny simply as a punishment for bothering him. No. And he also attempted to make Danny's mother harm herself um, with a razor blade. Uh. Oh my god! That was like that so was bad. out of pocket. It really that was. was <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was like out of pocket, but it is funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, you know, going through things like this during your childhood affects how you enter society as an adult. So, of course, Danny was convicted of multiple minor felonies, such as, like, you know, theft throughout his adolescence. You know, theft. You know. Um, but in the year 1990, he did try to kill his father during an argument. Um, he failed, but he did end up removing one of his father's eyes and ears. Oh! Um, you know, after Danny married and settled down, you know, he, he, I think he had, like, just, like, just a little window in his life of sanity, but he did end up 
reflecting the abuse he faced um, from his father onto his own son. And not only that, but he had, like, a thing for, like, voyeurism. Um, And so he left his wife, um, I think because, like, she, like, you know, left him over, like, the abuse. Yeah. And he ended up, like, this is a trigger warning for rape, but he ended up raping a woman who looked like her. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think it was after the rape and the robberies um, that led to him being arrested in Georgia. Um, this was before his attempted murder. Um, and, you know, at this point, he was um, in and out of jail, like, throughout the South. Um, so I think this is, like, where was he born again? I literally just said. <laughs> right, in um, Louisiana, like, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and after he was fired... Um, in the year 1989, um, he was fired from his job at a restaurant. Um, that night, he, you know, I think that was when he, I think that was his first murder. He broke into, he broke into um, Julie Grissom's home. Um, she was only 24, and she was, her house was broken into, and she was murdered by, um, by Danny Rowling. Um, and not only that, um, he murdered Julie's nephew and her father. Um, and, you know, when their bodies were found, Julie was found with um, bite marks on her body and, like, also, like, this is, like, a major trigger warning. Her body, um, like, her legs were spread on the bed where her body was found. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's, yeah. So something... Uh, I want to talk about that I talked about in my um, serial killer philosophy class that I found like really interesting is that um, the reason why the majority of serial killers do what they do is like disgusting, but like it's for sexual pleasure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, like for some reason, like they got off to murder and like. It's, like, the ways that they murder people that, you know, get them off. Like, it kind of depends. Like, yeah. the bite marks, the, um, it's kind of what, like, Ted Bundy did, what Jeffrey Dahmer did. Um, yeah. there are a lot, there are a lot more killers I learned about in that class that I want to talk about here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as someone who's very asexual, that kind of makes me, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! You disgusting, um, and you know he wasn't called the Gainesville Ripper for this, for these first few um murders, um. You know it had nothing. His you know Gainesville Ripper status didn't have much to do with the murder of Julie and her family or the attempted murder of his father. Um, shortly after the attempted murder of his father in nineteen ninety, he. Um, you know, went to the University of Florida. Okay. Yeah, we are just like not safe here. Honestly, we really aren't. Well, we're we're, <laughs> we're safe at Rollins. The rest yeah. of Florida, 
No. Questionable. I'll just stay on we love Rollins, though. We love Rollins, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did was he camped out at University of Florida, um, and as the semester was beginning for the fall, he broke into one. He broke into one Christina Powell and Sonia Larson's homes, and stabbed them to death and um, raped their bodies. And again, he um, took a Santa Fe Community College student, Krista Hoyt, and beheaded her. Um, this is like really disturbing. He beheaded her and put her head on a shelf facing her headless body propped up on her bed. Oh my god. It's so messed up, That's isn't it? Insane. Isn't it? Um and again, a few days later, he um broke into the home of a few upperclassmen. Um one named Manuel Taboada, uh, um who's a football player, and Tracy Pauls. Um and Manuel put put up a fight, um, but of course he lost. But um, the bodies weren't like mutilated; they they you know they were just killed. Yeah. But nothing like he didn't do anything really bad to their bodies. Um. And how many was that in total? That was like one. I think that was like seven. Seven people so far, I think. Mm-hmm. In total, he murdered eight people. Um, and oh my god! Well, that, why did that give me a heart attack? I did that on accident, so it also gave me a heart attack. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> oh, I'm getting like jump scares here now. Yeah, it was like really quiet, and then that happened. Yeah, but you know, people were freaking out. Who is who is this guy who killed them? Who you know killed all these students? Um, so what happened is, um, ooh, I think I think this was uh, ooh, I'm like I have some talking points. I don't have much script as I did last time, but, um, except for, um, Manny, um, Danny had, like, a type of, like, victims, um, so basically he went for, like, all of his victims were white girls with brown hair and brown eyes, um, just saying, red is not my natural hair color, so yeah. that- I mean, my eyes aren't brown. My so. eyes are brown. That's, <laughs> that's terrifying. I, you know, why do I keep, like, accidentally choosing cases that would, like, definitely get me yeah. killed? That's, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> um, and there, um, there was one suspect, um, who had, like, scars on his face and was, like, a mental patient, like, outside of the University of Florida. He was cleared because that that wasn't Danny Rowling. Um, 
But on November 4th of 1989, um, the Florida Florida police um, were alerted to an unsolved triple murder. And um, it, you know, there were like a lot of similarities um, between that Shreveport murder, you know, of like his first three victims and the murders in Gainesville. So they, they you know, kind of put the pieces together. Um, they, went, they went back to Shreveport. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, you know, they realized that the posing of the victims was the same, the residue of tape on the victims' bodies, the vinegar used to clean the bodies. Um, and the bodily fluid found on the victims were all type B blood. Um, and I guess that was the blood type of Danny Rowling. And they disappear. And they realize, you know, it was him. They, you know, they said, you know, he was suspicious. Um, there were witnesses of him being on UF campus. And so what they did is they conducted an investigation. Um, he was previously arrested on September 7th of that same year. Um, not for murder, but for robbing a supermarket. Oh. Yeah. Ten days after his last two murders. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know, they said he was already arrested. They conducted an investigation. Um, they looked at the evidence where they found a gun, a screwdriver, a cassette player, and a bag of money. They listened to the cassette. Um, that, uh, I didn't find anything that, like, was actually in the cassette. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. But they found the tools that were f- um, with the same marks that were left at the murder scenes. Mm-hmm. They found his little campsite outside UF campus. And a year later, he was charged with several counts of murder. He, um, his motive was to be just as famous as Ted Bundy. Ugh, you. I mean, like, it was, like, the same, you know? Yeah, um, like, it, you know, Ted Bundy um, killed girls at Florida State. Yeah. And... Oh my god. And um Danny Rowling killed, you know, at the UF. Mm-hmm. That's kinda terrifying. Or UF, honestly. Yeah. I feel bad for like most Florida colleges. Yeah. Just like for that. Yeah. Um he was sentenced to death in nineteen ninety four. Um and you know, he wasn't totally like he wasn't mentally stable, you know. Yeah. He had antisocial personality disorder, BPD, and paraphilia. Um, he Did was he, like make sure that he was like competent to stand trial. You know, like knows right from wrong, all that stuff. Um, because I feel like oh gosh, I think he was diagnosed after the death sentence. Oh, okay, because I feel like he is too mentally unstable to be able to stand trial, but I guess like. Yeah. I guess as long as he's not, like, clinically, like, insane or something, he yeah. would be. Like, when they do, 
like psychological evaluations, the main thing that they're looking for is seeing if the person knows right from wrong. Um, so as long as he like, I feel like he would know right from wrong. So I guess like that doesn't really matter. Yeah, um, I feel insanity is when like you don't yeah. know what you're doing or like you just don't know right from wrong. Yeah, I, I think he did because you know. Because yeah. his only motive was to be like Ted Bundy. Yeah, and also like if you have like antisocial personality disorder, that doesn't mean that they don't know right from wrong. They just might be like a psychopath or a sociopath. Yeah. And I so can't tell. I want to be a forensic psychologist. LOL. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> me, t- me too. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and you know, before he was executed, um, he totally confessed to the murders. Um. And he also confessed to the murders in Shreveport, you know, his first three killings. And on October 25th, 2006, so we were alive for this, Ugh. he was executed by <gasps> lethal injection at Florida State Prison. Oh, my God. Yeah. Three, three? Uh, I, October 25th, 2006. So, yeah, I would have been four two oh. months later. I, I, I'm a little bit older. Um, but yeah, that's, that's weird. You know, I thought yeah. I wouldn't be alive for that because, you know, the killings took place, um, a lot longer ago. The 80s and 90s. Yeah. And, you know, all that, um, inspired the screenwriter Kevin Williamson to create the slasher movie Scream. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. Um, <laughs> I really like Matthew Lillard. He is so attractive in that movie. He is. So I feel like he's got such a range because first he's, he's like, an first he's man. scream like he's ghost face, right? Really attractive, but then he's shaggy. Literally, <laughs> I love the Scooby Doo movies. Me too. And then he's in Good Girls now, where he's just like this gross, like middle aged man that's just like awful to his wife. And I'm like, I literally hate you so much in this, but you are so attractive in the movie, and so I'm conflicted on how I feel about you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Matthew Lillard. Thank you, Matthew Lillard. We love you. Um, we we hate Danny Rowling. Yeah, we like Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard does it better. Yeah. What was the like other guy in the movie? Um, God, I don't know. He was hot too. I don't know his name though. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> think I think we should stop making serial killers hot because yeah, like if you're not real ones. Fictional ones. Yeah, if you're, like, making a movie, maybe don't make the serial killers attractive. But also, like, that was kind of part of the movie. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, but, like, you know, the whole point was, like, there are these there are these cute boys that they're dating these girls, you know. Like, they're, like, popular boys. Yeah. So I guess, like, they kind of have to make them attractive. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, the day of recording, it's October 21st. Um, ten days until Halloween. So, I think you guys better start putting together some movies you want to watch. I... If you're not a fan of, like, actual horror, I highly recommend watching Scary Movie. It is it's very really inappropriate, but it is so funny. It yeah. is just, like... Anna Ferris is so hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, it's a, it's a satire on, like, slasher movies. It's, like, The Ring, Scream, and something else. Say, like, satire, like, three movies. Yeah. Satirize, whatever that word is. Yeah. Anyways, it's very funny. Very funny. Um, and, you know, I think that, that that's it for the episode. I think so. Um, oh, man. That that was a big success. I think so. Really happy about it. Um, yeah. 
really excited about um, us finding out about the Zodiac Killer. Yes. Um, I really hope everybody's got plans for Halloween. Um, I think next week is going to be our Halloween special. Yes, I don't know what I want to do yet. <gasps> I have to figure that out, too. But no, I, I was, like, figuring out what I wanted to do for this episode. I was like, Halloween true crime cases. And they're all, like, involving children. And I was like, I don't want to do one that involves children again because that's a lot. I think for Halloween I want to do Five Nights at Freddy's. You it's should. fictional, but yeah, I it's good. I might do the <laughs> it's good. Slenderman case. I'll do the Slenderman. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, the Slenderman so, stabbing. Everyone, stay tuned for next week. Everybody, stay tuned. Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I'm M, and I'm M, and this is Death Before Decap. Goodbye. Bye.